Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Thank you very much, guys, for coming to uh, to, to speak to us on this uh, Business World and Mindset podcast. It was uh, um, a quite a good uh, uh, conversation I had with, with James and uh, understanding everything that you guys uh, are doing. So I thought it would be uh, a good idea to uh, bring you uh, on the podcast just to you know generally discuss you know the projects that you're doing and also just understand a bit of uh, uh, your background as well, uh, where you come from up to here in a way that uh, sort of gets to inspire some of our audience as well uh, to get them more engaged in various things that uh, they are doing in in their different ways. So I thought uh, initially we'll probably begin by uh, just uh, uh, starting off by uh, if you could um, give us a bit of a background of yourselves in terms of uh, humble beginnings, your, uh, you know, how you, you, you started, you know, whether it's uh, growing up, family, education up to here, uh, as, as a sort of uh, your, your journey to here, see, which, uh, you know, most of our listeners tend to relate to, uh, to, to, to and in understanding people and where they've come from, so that they, uh, they get to feel that, you know, if uh, uh, some of these uh, guests have actually got into here, maybe there is, there is also a bit of hope for us. So we just begin it uh, that way. Maybe we start with you, um, Kazala. Uh, take us through your, your journey and then we'll pick it up as we go along. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. All right. First of all, well, thank you, Alex, for having Jürgen and I on your show. So uh, delighted yeah, to be thanks. here. So um, if I just give you my little humble beginnings or so, yeah, Ghazala Jabeen, I was born in Pakistan. So um, my story really is um, living a, a, an oil-lit lantern village life and arriving in London, which looked like Blackpool with all the lights. So for a, a young six-and-a-half-year-old kid, that was like a big adventure. Um, so really, I didn't speak a word of English when I arrived uh, in the country. And and although I was six and a half when I arrived, I didn't actually string three words to an English sentence till I was 10 because I was slowly weaned into school system. Um, and then basically, um, yeah, my life was very much of the, the kind of journey of the Eastern to Western transitions, if you like, and a culture shock and lots of learning along the way is... Um, why, why am I brown and why is everybody white kind of question mark for a youngster kind yeah. of thinking, where am I? Mm. Uh, kind of a little bit of an alien world. But anyway, um, my dad, um, as a teacher, he, we, we were taught uh, Arabic and Urdu back at home, but English studies were in normal schooling. And um, I soon kind of found that I like studying. I like learning. I like the whole world of books and things. And, uh, and I wanted to continue. But as a female coming from a Muslim country, there was quite a lot of the challenges in my journey um, because girls were not really allowed to really get out there and study and to be something. They were supposed to be somebody's daughter, somebody's mother, somebody's sister, and it was supposed to be to keep you in the limitations of, of your world. 
the only thing is that I was too feisty for all that and I kind of had to fight for my education. Um, and, and really I was uh, in my secondary school, I actually fought for my right to be who I am and found a little voice that I had that was quite strong and quite empowering actually for me to, to realize. So I was the only girl uh, a Muslim girl, Asian girl, in the whole of my secondary school to really break barriers of speaking up out of turn, out of what you're not supposed to do, and I did, um, and said, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this, and that created quite a community kind of chaos, and my dad was like, oh dear, our, our daughter's kind of stepping up, it's causing a little bit of community problems here, yeah. um, but, but, but it, it allowed me to realise that I had the power to speak, I had the strength in me, and as a little person, there was a big voice dying to get out. So my, my studying continued, I mean, I'm cutting this quite short as well, but yeah. my studying yeah. continued from somebody who was not allowed to open the front door of my home in case there was a man there, mm -hmm. um, because we're supposed to be covered and kept out of the scene of the, the outside life. Uh, but no, I um, my story journey is really from suppression to expression yeah. so from uh, a girl that couldn't speak a word of english to a girl that couldn't open the doors to be in a public society and to have fought the journey and the education to be a female international speaker across the world's different stages online offline uh that was breaking a lot of barriers i mean we know about breaking breaking bad but i'm doing all the breaking barriers yeah. <laughs> in, in there so uh, so, so yes, I um, uh, the biggest challenge I had was really that when you're open and exposed to the Western world, um, you don't look at anybody any different other than one heart to another. We don't really then get into that they're white and we're brown. It was very much of we are one. Um, and, and of course, I embraced everybody as equal uh, until I created a, a big problem in my life, which was that I fell in love with an Englishman. And that was taboo that was not what you do and that was like really risking my life at this point um which uh was the biggest story of my life was if if you were to ask me alex what's the most dangerous thing you've ever done i put my life on the line to say yes i'm in love with an englishman and then wait for the neck to be yeah. taken off um so that was the biggest strength of my life realizing that death did not no longer scare me Hmm. That did not scare me any longer because I had I had I was ready to to do that, um, and then after that, uh, yes, I did marry the man. Uh, I loved. Um, I I you know got into the whole world of Western society, and and my beloved Martin, who I was married to, ran away with. Uh, sadly, he passed away with pancreatic cancer. Oh. But one of the things he did help me in my growth of of being who I am today is saying to me you're an equal you stand with any man anywhere in the world on any stage and i will be your biggest cheerleader and and to support whatever you want wherever you are so he was a great mentor with wisdom education support and never restricted me to be a voice in fact totally opened the space to to be that that allowed me to grow into the woman that i am today from my good parents upbringing from being a you know um a great partner in that way and also as a mum to make sure that my children are not restricted in their life they can be who they want to be where they want to be how big they want to be whatever they want to be and that was um uh, that was my kind of journey but 
as I say, uh, I lost Martin to pancreatic cancer. It'll be seven years this year. And then for me, having been a, a person that allowed my cultural side to come into the business world is my background has been in finance, in business growth, mm. in uh, property. I never knew about it at 21 years of age. I was a director of a company that was like, oh my God, this is a whole big world. I, I don't know what to do with it. So yes, yeah, so my world, my my background has been in, um, as I say, uh, at 21 years of age, uh, taking the position as a director, um, doing property valuations big time. Like in the Manchester, we owned the largest estate agent and the residential letting side, commercial side, financial side, tied into the biggest infrastructure of growth of Manchester City's development university students and um a lot of my life was based in that world of work and i really stepped up to that um and and from there uh, really i took a bit of time out to have children and um and continued in other ways but then i realized that after having children was to get back into the world of work as a mum back in there it meant i had to go through all the studying to be um getting more qualifications this that and the other and i was like can I really fit with all that again? I'm not sure. So I saw that my local jobs in the area were low jobs. Mm. And I was used to high income, even at that time. I couldn't do the low jobs. I was like, these people, what they putting in the adverts for a job per year is I was earning per month. So I couldn't really find that kind of job as, as like they was not attracting me. The adverts were not attracting me to say, oh my God, I'm going to earn this. Yeah. So anyway, I, I looked at direct sales and I thought, I don't know anything about direct sales, but the income looks good, what I can earn. Mm -hmm. And um, and I took that that role like duck to water. Um, and literally, I got myself in a six-figure income earner pretty straight away with it. And uh, But the only thing is in direct sales is <clears throat> I didn't like being told what to do by the organization. I'm a girl that's like, leave me to do what I'm good at. Don't don't dictate too much to me. And uh, anyway, so I'm not very employable anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am very much of a free spirit to do what I do. And um, so with that, I decided to kind of sack that job and like I don't need it. But what I did know was that in the marketplace, you need to find a solution and a need that's out there for people where the yeah. problem is. Mm -hmm. So when I could identify that actually this what I'm doing. I can do better than this company, but I can do it even better and make yeah. it very unique. So I went into my headspace of, I scratched a doodle, I went into manufacturing, I produced a product and I took it to the marketplace and um, then I was rocking yeah. with that. Uh, I mean, Martin used to say to me, this is a bit big thing for you, right? Are you sure you know what you're doing? Even when we went to the bank and we put the figures to the bank of the business projections and the bank manager said to me, these figures look pretty good. Um, like, how have you got these figures? I said, well, I did not pluck them out of thin air. Yeah. What these figures are is really hard facts figures that I've created. So the ones you're looking at are quite conservative. Mm -hmm. But I know we can do a lot better. In six months, we exceeded the projections already because they were like very impressed. So that kind of took the whole turn from being in business yourself and the government of my country supporting manufacturing processes and, and development. And and then, of course, tragedy hit, as I say, with Martin got ill and the business side, he was directly involved with the logistics and everything. And suddenly 
he was dying. Um, and so the whole part of that world of mine kind of started to crash bang around me. And these are the things that in life we go through, the highs and lows. Yeah. You do a great thing, you find your way, you suddenly rock in, and then suddenly one day something changes, and then how do you adjust? So this yeah. was the adjustment um, which I made. I took time out with that side of it. We closed that side of the business. I started to teach fitness in my Bollywood style, which got my title, how I transitioned myself. And really, when doing something, you have to be a role model of the, what you're preaching. And for me was that I can't teach fitness if I ain't being fit myself. So I went into my own program, clinically obese, BMI over 29, created my program, went to a size eight and 10, created that information with three friends. And that took that over to 30,000 people on that teaching in a fitness platform that really got a, a national and then international status. And then it, it just became bigger. And then before you know it, you're recognized for work you've done. You're recognized with direct sales, network marketing industry, um, your local community projects. And then um, I was awarded for community projects, which was raising money for, for giving back. My, my dad always said when, when making making something good happen and you're doing good, give good back. And, yeah. and those were really good grounding things that we had in our upbringing. And so raised over £150,000 and the TV program Dragon's Den that we know of it in the UK, the first lady dragon actually awarded me and my business for giving at that time was £80,000 back in my local communities, which now has exceeded about 180000 and that was about what do we do for our community? What do we do for our community? How do we give our what we learned and our goodness back? And that part of it really took from before I know it, it was one award to another and and the journey grew. And of course, my focus was to get my head down and get working. And then uh, everybody kept saying, you're, you've been on your own as a widow. Are you not really looking to date again? And I'm like, that door's not happening. Just yeah. It's not happening. Sorry. And, I, and as many officers were coming my way, I was like not playing in that space at all for anything because my head heart was not there. And um, I had written my book, um, Loved, Lived, Lost, um, in memory and tribute to Martin for pancreatic cancer, being a voice. And that was my part of a closure from the grief, the hurt that I needed to know I've got to move on in my life. Mm -hmm. And and. I took a whole team of people up to Mount Snowden and really to get that message across. But it was my closure. I needed to create some closure in a part of my hurtful space so that I can breathe again and live again. And <clears throat> so I suddenly got a message from a chap called Jorgen Tronberg <laughs> <laughs> who said, hi, you don't know me, but I've read your book. I know about your work and la da 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 da. And I was like, okay. So I found myself talking to this man who had a very gentleman way and a brilliant approach and acknowledgement of my work and an acknowledgement to communicate with me. And I was like, I don't know who you are, but I was talking away. I suddenly mm -hmm. found there was a lot of things in common. But what was interesting about Jürgen was that everything that in my list of values that I look for and qualities in a person, he was ticking a lot of things. But I didn't want to tell him too much because I didn't want to seem too keen. I, it was like I said. I, I all I kept saying was, you know what? One day we're going to have to talk about this. And we, there are a lot of things that you're saying that really are, are resonating with me. 
And I said, what is it you do? Apart from him telling me about his background, and then he was telling me about this big project, then my heart space, my head space was like, wow, which I'm going to let him tell you a bit about it. But he came on the radar. That's kind of where this is happening, but I'm going to not take it away from Jürgen from that. But that's how we got connected. And as a couple, the journey was we embraced each other in our lives personally, but we embraced his vision, his journey, his mission, and and things that have become what they are now is like mind-blowing from that bit where I come from Pakistan yeah. to where I am today. And, um, and, and final thing, just as I hand it over to you, was yesterday, you don't really know what you do in your life really for anything other than you do it from the heart space of doing good. And I had an email yesterday to say that um, I was a recipient of an award for a hundred of the successful women in business awards on a global scale. And I I actually rang my mum and I said, dad would have been so impressed at that award because he used to call me his VIP. And that doesn't mean very important person, but for my dad, he was used to say, you're my very impressive Pakistani. (laughs) And I was saying to my mum to thank her blessings and to thank them both that I had got a very good space of of who I am in my my upbringing, but also Dad championed me as as he used to say, "I wish you were my son; you'd carry my name in light." And I'm oh, like, "What? Well, can I not carry my own name in light?" But <laughs> as, as I have done, and and really was was an acknowledgement on a global scale, and uh, I've had terrific support from that. But it's it's the journey; it's where yeah. we were, where we are, where we're going. And this man is the one that I've uh, grabbed hold of his hand in life to yeah. take the adventure. And uh, I'm now going to hand it back to you to pass it on. Mm. But that's me, Alex. Yeah. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you Thank very you. much for, for, for sharing that um, wonderful story. I think, you know, even, even yourself, you would know there's a lot of uh, uh, probably young girls in Pakistan and other countries who probably face similar challenges to, to what you face in terms of. Uh, growing up in particular environments and communities and uh, they don't get uh, some chances to actually express themselves and realize their potential in the way that uh, that you did because of the the environment so i guess just sort of uh, taking you back a little bit in there i mean i saw in your uh, work and what you do you have this uh, you know vision and passion to actually inspire other people or other girls to actually you know, get to uh, break through essentially into into their abilities, but uh, sometimes it's not that easy, like you've found through the challenges you've been through. But um, what would be your your sort of advice, or how would you encourage and inspire those people as to what they can do to actually break through some of the challenges that they would be facing to realize their potential? That's a wonderful question, Alex, wonderful question. And people do ask me as well if I could share a few words of wisdom to anybody. I mean, I created a group called Lady Leaders Global because that was an inspirational platform for education and encouragement for people everywhere. And what I say to anybody listening into this, ask in your heart space, what what really matters to you? What do you really want? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And what's stopping you? And then reach out for somebody who's done it, follow them, follow them, watch what they do and be brave and bold enough to step up and even message them and say, hey, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. 
what sort of advice would you give me? Because one person gave me one advice a while back, and um, and that was when I was about writing a book. A lot of people want to write a book, and this person says, "How, if you were to give percentage-wise, what percentage would you put to how much you want to write this book?" I said, "About eighty percent." And they went, "Don't write it then. Don't write it. If you're only on eighty percent, don't write the book. You're going to be one hundred plus percent, and then." do it why because if there's some hesitation you're not ready and that was the best advice but when i then was ready i was i was given it and my growth of my personal development journey was the the famous philosopher jim rohn when he said and i, I can't exact words but if you work hard on your job you'll earn a good living but if you work hard on yourself you'll earn a fortune so I thought, do I want a good job or do I want a fortune? My mindset was bigger scale thinking. So I was like, I need to work hard on myself. Like if I'm going for the fortune mode, I need to be working hard. And every day, every day I took the journey for self-development, education, reaching out, finding resources. And Alex, these days for most people, which we didn't have back in my days, but yeah. these days there is so much free resource and support for people. So whoever's got a dream, a wish, a want, be it small, be it large, is just really to, to go out, ask, reach, tap in, ask Google, ask YouTube, ask people, yeah. go to see these people, read and learn, because there might just be one sentence, one word that might be all that somebody needed to fuel and their little pilot light and yeah. set it ablaze to really make the dream become a reality. And that's what happened to me. And, and that's what I would advise everybody to do that. Mm, that's brilliant. A lot of golden nuggets in there. But uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great uh, story and great advice to hear from you, Kazali. So um, Jürgen, over to you. Uh, tell us your our part of the story and uh, our humble beginnings and uh, to be uh, where we are today. <laughs> Uh, Alex, thank you very much for inviting us because I I understood also of Gasala that this is your uh, like 100 uh, podcast, right? Yes, yeah. So this is the uh, the 100 uh, podcast series that I'm putting together in quite an influential about five of these uh, series to uh, speak to influential people like yourselves, so we can uh, sort of uh, in, inspire i think it's quite a, an achievement for me as well reaching 100 series on the podcast speaking to lots of inspirational people and just uh, like gazala was saying from a personal development point of view you get moved and encouraged by people's stories the journeys that people have been and for me sharing this with the audience is quite a big part of uh, you know my journey and contribution to others as well so again, thank you guys for actually. Oh, yeah. Why I'm asking yes, because I felt so honored when I guess Allah was telling me that since since like basically, I mean, you have really no idea uh, who I am more than what Kassala, uh, I told you. So uh, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. Yeah, okay. okay, my story is quite different. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was born I, I mean I'm very fortunate man to be born in a country as Sweden, one of the Scandinavia, which we have um, yeah I mean everyone who's born in my country has such uh, enormous possibilities. 
which is actually something when I grew up, I was really started to think about it. Well, but wow, <laughs> wherever I go in general, to be born in a country as myself is like usually like all countries, all people are open up the doors. So I, so I like started very early on to find my way to feel a lot of gratitude and be very humble that I was just born in a, such a fortunate country. Uh, so with that said, yeah, so I was born in Sweden. Um, as a young teenager, I had a, a very severe back problem. When I say very severe, I had chronic pain in my back 24-7 all the time. Long story short, uh, my parents took me to a lot of medical doctor and there was uh, talk about like, yeah, and, uh, surgery and but the only way to actually get some relief was really strong painkiller, uh, which I was on uh, like a lot. But um, I came to a chiropractor. Somebody, it was actually like a teacher who recommended my mother that so I came to a chiropractor. Uh, and he became not just someone who helped me, he also became like a mentor for me, like a really... He is not physical uh, around us anymore, but he like I I, um, I can still every time I every time I talk about him, I can really feel his spirit is like with me, like almost guide me through like uh, like my life. Um, he was also an acupuncturist, but studied in China, so Chinese medicine. So I, in the age of 50, I became so incredibly interesting in what we call alternative or complementary medicine. So I started to study chiropractic medicine and also Chinese medicine. <coughs> so the only thing I've been doing in life, the only thing I know is medicine. <laughs> that is the only, but from a point of view that this fantastic body ability to heal itself if you're just getting the best support possible. And usually the best support possible is usually not found outside of yourself. It's actually fine inside yourself with your mind and in your conscious mind. So uh, so I have, I, I'm into my, I've been practicing medicine now for 36 plus year. Uh, I saw my first patient, <laughs> September 21st, 1985. So that was like some years ago. <laughs> and, and today I probably have seen around 50,000 patients, but I stopped seeing patients. It, it's like approximately like a year ago. Not that, because I love that kind of interaction one-on-one. I love to really put my mind in like, and I love actually to help and support. That has really been my aim because I'm coming from the kind of background of myself. Like, like when you're really suffering and you cannot find the help, and suddenly you find some help. So this has been like incredible journey to actually at least give it like a serious shot to help all this like yeah, fifty thousand something like that a patient during like all these years. But I always have been a very science oriented guy. I was being incredibly interested, like in regular medicine. Also, make a long, long story short. So I went to, I studied like a regular uh, medicine 
But since I am um, into major rapid here, uh, uh, and there was like one of the reasons uh, because there is a proper medical reigning in naturopathy in the United States. I started actually in my own country. Uh, so I moved to the States uh, and uh, stayed there during my, during my whole 90s and got like a, like a proper medical training as I say, but never really practicing like regular medicine. So, uh, and that was never like my interest, but I am not against allopathic medicine. I think there is absolutely a time and we should be very thankful that there is so many specialties uh, as we have, but I always is favor. So I'm not against, but I always favor to find non-invasive treatments who can support the body to actually heal it by itself. So basically, uh, that's the thing. That's the only thing I have done. <laughs> it's the only thing I've done. I've not done anything else. But yeah. I started. This is. Uh, it started to get. Yeah, thirty-two years, something like that. I started to teaching small groups. <laughs> I was like, as a kid, I was a stuttering guy. I stuttered like a lot. So for me to speak in front of people was the worst things ever. But I am, I am, I'm such a purpose driven guy. And I am, as I know that, that, that I'm really a man of action. Uh, and, and, and I refusing when someone tells me in a very humble way that, Jürgen, do you think this is really going to work? Then I feel, oh, I'm going to show you it's going to work. I don't really know how, but it will work. Okay. <laughs> so I started, I actually remember the very first time I was teaching, it was, and I, I say to people, like, now it's full, and it was four people. <laughs> Because I was so nervous to stand there and talk. And I remember so well how I was sweating, how I was stuttering. <laughs> and I could see that this poor, poor four people was like feeling so bad and so sorry for me. <laughs> but I was like, okay, this was because I always have said this, if you are aimed to do something and... I mean, my aim is actually to prove myself that, okay, I have to find a way that I'm going to actually be able to handle this. So I was like, everything, every little cell inside myself say that don't do that again, Jürgen. Whatever you do, never ever do it again. But I just, I, that's just how I am. So I say, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do like a next one, then the next one, then the next one, next one. And the group, usually was growing and growing more and more and my stuttering became less and less. When I'm really tired, I'm really tired, then I'm then my stuttering is actually coming down. So that is a good, so I usually see my stuttering as a very good measurement that, okay, now I need to pull back because I've been working a little bit hard. Okay, so, um, so today, I'm obviously never counter, but today I probably have teach speeches, seminars, courses, because osteopathy and naturopathy and functional medicine has been my 
like my three things. And also like from a science point of view, I always have been so interested to look, okay, what kind of science is that? Not, not that because that what is not science-based doesn't mean that there is something is not going to work, but I've always been very on, okay, here is all the science. No, this is not solid uh, science, but it can still seems like it's like working really good. So I probably have to teach to uh, around one million people uh, over in the States and also in my own country, but I've been in, in, in so many other countries. And, my, and, and how, how more I teach, how more I got in like... Um, attached to my own load, like my like my own skill how more experience it, how stronger i became like not like here is me and there is skill it's like no the skills is actually inside myself then i saw very early on when i really was standing there that i really believed what i was saying like 100 percent sure then i saw that i had uh, actually a little bit of a gift that I could inspire people, uh, release that I could get people to really listen to me. And my audience was just growing and growing and growing. And then I just, I mean, after I've been going on for actually uh, quite some years, then I realized, oh my God, I have a responsibility here because if I tell people, go to the right, they go to the right. If I tell, no, we turn out to the left, people are turning to the left. Uh, uh, so, so, I, 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 so I I, very early on realized that, hmm, I really have a responsibility here because people are following me what I am saying. I have to because, like, if you are, as you know, there is a lot of people who have been able to have, like, an audience follow them and it sometimes had ended up with a disaster. So I have always have felt this like mm, this humbleness and like actually compassion has been something I've been teaching and talking about so much during so many years, like from also from a like a science-based point of view. Okay, so that's just a little bit of my then I actually 20 years ago I moved back to Sweden. It was not it, it was not meant that I'm going to move back. My father got a stroke so uh, I decided to be more home. I was planning then then go back and forward. I became a father for the first time in the age of 42 and then it was like okay so I obviously got to stay here uh, which was like a few years after uh, and I became also because I have a brother uh, um, is my only sibling, and he is all, uh, he is trained as an osteopathic physician, and we have like been working together for the last uh, twenty five years or something like that. So then I moved back home, and 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 very early on also I realized that okay I have these skills which is actually reaching people who is interesting about the mind, like the brain like the body uh, uh, function, things like that. The smallest little uh, particles in medicine, that is, as you know, is biochemistry. I'm not a trained uh, a, a quantum physicist. I'm not, I'm not officially trained as a physicist at, like, at all, but I know math. 
very, very good. So I started very early on to be very interested in quantum physics because I realized that if you take all this uh, by like biochemistry and you look inside them, there's just going to smaller particles, smaller and smaller and smaller, and then suddenly you are just you are just flow of energy. And then I realized, okay, there is a lot of wisdom out there. There is a lot of spiritual thoughts out there. I started to study. Um, and when I say I study something, I really study something. <laughs> I'm not doing anything because you just a little bit. This is just who I am. So I started to build like bridges between like science, research, quantum physics, uh, uh, like spiritual thoughts, inner wisdom, looking into that. And I started to package in that because way, way back, I was hired to have speech for companies, uh, like coaching programs, mentor programs. And I saw that I got more and more hired to like really respected like organization and realized, okay, so why not do this by myself? So, so, I, so I have been packaging my medical skills in so many different contents. Uh, 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 so because I realized, wow, then I can reach out to even more people. If you're not yet packing it like in the medical uh, term, but you can use the science and uh, uh, research. What is also very important to say that I am not an official researcher. Okay, I have been involved in a lot of research, but I am a guy who, who is like taking a lot of research where great <laughs> nerdy researchers are doing research and I take that and I, uh, I do that in, like, in my way and then I can reach out to thousands, ten or thousands of people. So I am very grateful for all the researcher who is publicing a lot of great research which hardly no one understands, but I can take that and like formulate it so people like actually understand them. So, uh, so that's so I have so I very early on actually, this is like more now, it's like 27, 28 year, uh, years back. I have been, I, I always say this the most important thing in your life is to be extremely conscious, sharpener what kind of people you have around you. Mm -hmm. That's that's it. That is the number one. I have seen so many people because they are in work situation they actually hate, or they are in whatever relationship that is not working. So I like I I, I don't know I never done any statistics, but I would say like ninety five percent of all the diseases we could probably most likely turn around. If people started to be really sharp, conscious, sharp about it, what do I want in life? What is, like, what is making me in a strong in the feeling of meaningfulness? What is my purpose? And then make sure that you are actually nothing. I don't want to say that this is good and this is bad, but make sure that you are taking responsibility and not being around of the people who cannot support you, 
with your path of your purpose. Uh, so that's just like something I said, your environment is the most important thing. There you're going to find your purpose, you're going to find the meaningfulness, and, make, and if you build up yourself, you will be that kind of environment then for other people, where other people then is going to look up to you and follow, like follow your path. Uh, that is like then, then if you find enough many people, then you will have a change in your family structure, in your work situation, in in like like uh, company organization, etc., etc. Okay. So I'm gonna read a little bit between my <laughs> sentences here. Okay. So uh, so I'm gonna take you back now to 2010, something like that. I yeah. have. I mean, I've been going on for so many years, and I, I started to feel like mm, it's time to do something much bigger now. Like because I, 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 I just could see that because obviously, if you have been in my position, obviously you know a lot of people. Okay, you know a lot of people who's happy with their life, they have the purpose, but I know a lot of people who is not happy in their life. I know a lot of researchers like a lot of researchers who are sitting there in the institution, university, and feeling like, oh my God, I spent like 10, 12 years studying all the kind of thing, and I'm not allowing to do what I want to do. I'm not even allowed to say what I want to say. Like suddenly, like all this year, and I just get backstabbed, or uh, I'm not getting like the fundings, and Think that I have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of research science people who have been following me for uh, for many years, and they usually they reach out to me, and it's usually in the end of the conversation, people are saying to me, "Oh God, I wish I had done like you, built up your own world in your own world, where you're allowed to say like whatever you want," which also means that I have to be. Honestly, that also has a price. I have people in the academic world who would not hesitate to stop me and bury me in a <laughs> bury me in a like in a group or like like uh, somewhere where it's like I'm gonna be silent for the rest of my world. So I I I am very used, and for many years, I actually felt it was very uncomfortable, that very skillful, very verbal experience. Uh, people was attacking me so hard and tried to stop me and spreading rumors and things like that. But, you know, like after, like after a while, you just like, either wise day you're gonna start to listen to everyone and you're not going to be able uh, to do what you want to do, or you are just going to be very compassionate, respectful people, but again, put out clearly boundaries that, okay, like, I hear you, I, I, I understand, because I'm coming also from medicine, so I know that you're trained in this way, and which is, like, understandable, but you are, here is my boundary. So I... So I have felt like, I always have felt, not always, but for many, I felt like, oh, there's got to be something bigger. I always like, there got to be something bigger. got to be something bigger. There got to be something bigger. So I, so I decided to do platforms where there was allowing, we like allowed. 
So I I am I am uh, I am a little bit more skillful in embryology, which means sperms and the eggs meet, and the first eight weeks, what is happened? And I started to study that from uh, uh, from uh, actually people who are not living who was a little controversial about that embryonic uh, skill which is called like a morphic field, which means that nothing is really separate. It's not like, okay, the sperm's egg meet there. This happened the first day, this happened the second day, third day. You're looking how everything, everything is interconnected. So I am there, and I was first time I got a really in-depth understanding that the heart was the, was the uh, organ, was the, was the things in the body who was creating already days well you don't have any head you don't have any arms you don't have any legs you don't have any stomach no kidney no muscle no nothing you're just a little piece of little yellow little thing and suddenly day 12 is building up a heart you're just a heart and the only structure in your body organ is that that heart if I would cut that heart, it would be two pipes, two pipes, which would go here from my neck and down to my pelvis. That is the only thing I have not changed. But what, like, what a heart is doing is doing some twist because there is supposed to also be lungs, stomach, muscle, things like that. So you cannot have a heart like that. So I owe and I know uh, pattern, shape, and form, how flowers is rating how trees how animals i know like because i i study astrophysicists and astronomy i know how the universe how a star builds so i started very early on to really look at similarity and realize from pattern shape and form there is the same movement motion energy whatever you look at okay and from pattern, shape, and form, you're going to find a lot of information. So I said, okay, it cannot be just a coincidence that, okay, let's build a heart. Like some, something like something bigger than, okay, how are we going to build this homo sapiens? Like 300,000. Ah, let's, let's, uh, yeah, why don't we put in a heart? No, there is information. And the brain is the one who came last, okay? The brain has come back. So I started to study all the kind of things. So I decided to create a big platform with you know, proper researchers. And we're going to do study about something what they call like morphic field, which means that if more people are doing something like that, then the process seems to go easier and easier. And then if you just put people in that field, it looks like they can hear. It looks like they can understand. It's like it. it it's basically this, if you are around a lot of inspired people who can truly, truly deeply live in compassion, can truly listen, can truly support, no ego, then it seems like people are going to like this kind of environment if you don't have this ego structure inside yourself. So I decided to create uh, which was the fastest growers movement and if you didn't know me and you look outside, it looked like I was like, 
like a religious leader who's gonna take my sheep into and and like empty their accounts because I got so attacked. I got so attacked during this time. And this was called Universal Heart. Okay. And it was supported by the research institute where I know the owner, founder, and the main research, uh, uh, which is called Heart Math. Numbers Heart Math, one word. Okay. They have been involved around 300 res uh, uh, research, and they are researching on two things actually the coherence between the brain and the heart. And when you are on your mission, your purpose, living your life on the higher frequency, and you have the right kind of people around you, then it goes more neurological uh, um, signals up to the brain. So the heart can actually change the brain structure. Okay? The other thing what is doing also, this, uh, this fantastic Howard... Howard Jones and Dr. Doc, Dr. Doc actually is like, is his main, which is very close dear friend of mine, who is now involved in this project, what we're doing here on Cyprus. Also, because 2011, there was an Indian researcher found out something in the brain who looks like it was other kind of, not like heart nerves, so she started to look into that, like, what kind of nerves is that? And found out that we have brain cells in our heart, okay? We have brain, we have like, what is called neuron. Back then, he said it was 20,000. Now, it looked like it's like seven to 800,000. So, and this is what I have experienced during my years of practicing medicine, like, First, it starts off with small number, and then it's just growing and getting more and more. So we have heart brains in, uh, no, we have brain cells in our heart. And again, pattern, shape, and form. If you look at that, you're going to get a lot of information. So what this institute and what I have done been incredibly involved with, that the brain, when it gets in compassion, feeling empathy, feeling big gratitude, when we can be humble to each other, when we, we take away like the color of the skin, the background or height, when we can really meet each other from heart to heart, like really, really like this loving space, what we are actually, which we, which we are supposed to be here, okay? That is increase the electrical a charge in the brain, 50 to 80 times more than what we can find in the brain. And electricity is always creating magnetic field, electromagnetic field. And that electric field can create 5,000 to 8,000 stronger magnetic field than anything in our body, pattern, shape, and form. There is a lot of information. If you just look at information, because when you have that strong magnetic field, you're going to get a lot of uh, light particles, which is called photons. And photons is going to help the cell structure to increase a lot of biochemical uh, substance, which is, which is called ATP. So the cell can repair, it can heal, and it can help other cells. 
And you and I, and also gas, from our skins, we get out one liter, one liter of fluid every day, okay? It's coming out, but it's vapors. And that is electromagnetic film. So if we are seeing each other, if we are feeling good, if we are living on the high frequency purple, we're gonna give each other self, like from a science point of view, a lot of a lot of things where we actually gonna feel good. And the brain is gonna activate it. I don't think the brain is thinking. I know this is very controversial. No, the brain is is in a resonance with like the atmosphere, with the people, with like with this like synergy. So suddenly you, you suddenly you think that you have been thinking no it's just like you're waking up some inner wisdom when the brain is then telling you like hey you are on the right path now something is something is going on here and so i started this universal heart in less in one year we became five thousand loaning people in this program what i have done like like a little bit of a mentor program and there was i had 70 coach leader or team leader around whole sweden and i got offer from everywhere in the world was telling me don't you want to please come with the concept of universal heart because the heart is the first organ in our body the heart is the one who can change our brain and the rest of the body that's why that's why i call it universal heart Okay, I'm gonna to try to wrap up here now <laughs> and come up to the yeah. what I talk about. Yeah. That universal heart, I got a lot of mostly men actually who was uh, working in big organization, corporations, things like that, and say, "Hey, Jurgen, I really love what you're doing. I would love to get this into my organization because this is really because it was built on understanding gratitude, humbleness, empathy, and the forgiveness process, which is also like boundaries and integrity, and that's gonna then come to the fifth automatic and is compassion. So I wrote the book together. I am I am I'm not a good writer, but I still have written three books. <laughs> So I always have other people who write my books. <laughs> so a very dear friend of me, like a, a, a journalist who have been following me for some years, say, hey, I really want to write from this universal uh, heart things like a book. I really want to put it in like in a book. And that book was called Compassion. Yes, Compassion. And now we will translate that book actually to English, something that we like this... Uh, uh, her name is Penilla. You, you decided that, uh, like we both decided that we're going to translate that to English also as well. So then I created this organization because I thought, okay, I we probably need to go into corporations, company, business, real thing, the, like <laughs> like the real guys thing. So I then okay, so I have this research. I've been researching about compassion. Because I, I am not a researcher, so I'm not I like academic, I'm not strong at all. So I created academic compassion. And that was, uh, but then I just realized there is no one in this company corporation, like in a high position, they don't want to change. They don't want to take responsibility. 
They're yeah. saying that they're going to change. They're saying that, hey, they paid me like it. Okay, That's, so, uh, yeah. So the organization Academy Compassion, I have a huge program for a county in Sweden, which is called Borlänge, which was actually doing like a six-month program because the unemployment, uh, they were like psychiatric uh, problem for young people. There was like a lot of like right wings uh, was recruited young people. So I was asked to put up a program there, which was for five people. And there was one woman that would try to, because I am used when I have all these uh, speeches that people want to have. They say, yes, give me, yes, give me one minute. <laughs> But the problem is, if there is 500 people who just say, give me one minute, then it's going to be like a lot of minutes. But I have this woman who was like, I have something. I know that you want to hear it. I have something. And I have I have a little bit of experience that women on my speeches say that I have something for you. <laughs> so I was like, so I always put up this very strong boundary. But she was reaching out to this Academy of Compassion, my organization. And then... And, and they then say to me, you know what, there seems to be a group in North Cyprus who would like to build up a global research center mm -hmm. and in a cutting edge life science, that complementary life science. So we think we have found these three days uh, slot in your schedule. We have booked a ticket and you need now to go down to North Cyprus. So I had no idea really what I, I said. <laughs> No Cyprus. I mean, is that like a land was actually existing? It sounds like that's that is a dangerous place to be in. I had like I had and I, and and I remember first time it was some like uh, uh, some guy would pick me up and I felt oh my god they have highways they have roads they have houses it seems like a normal society basically okay so that and that was four years ago so I was asked if I would like to be involved with what they will found to build up a global research center. If I look back to it, what they wanted, they wanted, uh, they wanted uh, um, use me in a very respectful way, build up this so there will be like a face out in the world that, hey, looking here what we're doing. But they have 29 universities in North Cyprus. There is 100,000 international students every year. They have an aim of 2025 to be 200,000 uh, international students. And they are pretty good ranking if you compare like England, United States. But the cost of the university is just 10% compared with the states. And the living there is just 20, 25%. I would say the 20% compared to my country. So that's why there's a lot of people from Middle East, uh, India, Pakistan, yeah. Africa is actually coming down. So that's how we started. So I was mm. just supposed to put uh, like uh, researchers around the world uh, together and sort out this. And from there, it was growing. Mm. From there, it just became this global, yeah, I went back and forth 30 times and I decided that if this will be a reality and I really start to build, I would take my son, my brother, his two kids and move down here and really be here because I so believe in like everything is energy.
<laughs> yeah. And energy yeah. energy is there, but the direction of the energy is your action. And then you need to re reflect the only kind of thing which I call stillness. In stillness, you can get a lot of information. So I came down here. I actually, last time I was here before the pandemic, I took Gasala, actually, which was January 2020. And I loved when I took Gasala out to this virgin land. It was mm -hmm. like January, there was no one there. There is no nothing there. There was no cars. And I, Gasala first, first thing she was saying is like, oh my God, I just see possibilities here. Then I know, okay, this woman, this woman is my last woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And uh, I, can, I, I, can, I can actually relate to that because uh, I don't know whether you know, but I started in Cyprus, the other side. I was there for four years. So oh, wow. I, I, I now in Northern Cyprus, Kyrenian, Famagusta, I used to travel there. So I can relate oh, to how wow. peace, peaceful that, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned yeah. it's just uh, uh, quite a wonderful world, isn't it? And beautiful yeah. sunshine as well. Uh, it is, it is. <laughs> and, and we are in such a beautiful spot. And what is that? Because things, when we come down here, we have a third partner. His, his first name is the same as my Jürgen, but his mm -hmm. name is Hansen. He's a very close friend. But mm -hmm. he, I always say also this. If you want to do something, you need to be honest what you're good at. And also... More important, be honest of what you're not good at. And that has been my success in life. I make sure that I have the right kind of people around me. Uh, so with Gasala, with this guy, Jorgen Nelson, we went as on a mission, which is I have no problem to have a whole vision, but now I try to actually run after my own vision. <laughs> I try yeah. to follow the expansion of the vision because it's like, we have around 350 researchers who has committed. There mm -hmm. is 60 universities around the world where we can put like they are also like uh, uh, like with us. I have minimum minimum of 10,000 people that say I want to move down. I want to be involved. Yeah. We are now 11 countries in the pipeline, and there is more country where I haven't had a time to even have a Zoom meeting with. So I realized that the timing of this was so sharp in the right kind of frequency, which I could never even imagine. And Gasala knows seven days a week, we are like three, four, up to eight, seven, eight huge things we are nailing on a daily basis. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, should probably stop that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's, that's such an uh, amazing, amazing journey, actually. And uh, I just wanted to uh, just, uh, you know, pause a, a, bit, a bit of a discussion with you guys, because when uh, I, I, I listened to Gazala's story and uh, your story as well, there seems to be elements of there of uh, some sort of a challenge that, that kick-started the whole journey and the whole vision for you. I mean, for you, Jürgen, you know, your chronic back pain. I, I, I guess my um, sort of point of discussion or question is, if even to you, Gazala, you know, a lot of people who have success is some sort of challenge that people uh, have in their life. Is that the, the key element 
to drive success? Or can people, because otherwise people just get comfortable in their zone. You know, if they haven't faced any sort of big challenge, whether it's, you know, a loved one passing or losing a job or some a disease of some sort, people tend just to stay in their comfort zone. So how can people actually break through that without expecting to have some sort of challenge? Because uh, I, I remember having someone, uh, one of uh, some other successful people as well, they had challenges as well. And they gave me a statistic that about probably 90 plus percent of people who break through into success comes from some sort of challenge. And uh, it, it always bugs me to say, do we as people have to wait for challenge in order to break through into success? What are your thoughts on that? Um, wait, thank you for that question, uh, Alex. Um, yeah, you know what it is that we are hit with challenges that makes us think again because we do become complacent yeah. with life and and that's what where a lot of the kind of situation stops some of that creativity go you know growing for us to do something because yes we got this yes we've got that yeah. um by the way i can hear ticking from jürgen's mute yourself jürgen in there um there's a, there is some yeah there, that's it um, so, so basically, um, uh, I think where, you know, people, even when they come into spiritual space, something mm. has drastically taken them in their physical being yeah. in a space so low, in a space of like, like a shift happens. Something happens with them because it's such an important thing that you've highlighted this, Alex, because yeah. why do we have to hurt before some change happens? Yeah. Why do we have to be rock bottom before we have to rise up? But but there is a pattern because we do become complacent. It's okay. It's like people in a job. It's, they don't do anything unless they've been sacked or yeah. something happened or, or, or a personal challenge happens. But I suppose that's part of a breakdown before we make a breakthrough in, yeah. in life as well. But I, I think that... I think the other part is what does somebody, we know we talk about people prioritizing things. Mm -hmm. Okay, we may not be somebody's priority. They may be ours, mm -hmm. but we may not be theirs. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's the other thing is where people are. So one of the things I've been focusing more is being mindful to where other people are, where they're at, because I may be excited about something, mm -hmm. but they're not in the right space because timing yeah. Timing is so crucial in people's lives. The yeah. same as when we offer opportunities to people, it may be exciting timing for us, not necessarily they're in that space. So being okay. mindful to be in their shoes to say, hey, hang on a minute, where are they coming from? And one of the things I've I've learned and I've worked on is understanding when I pitch, propose, present anybody, I got to kind of figure out my audience, whether it's a one-to-one -one or hundreds and thousands of people because we all have, you know, the likes of the left brain, right brain thinking. Where, how do we take information? What bit does resonate with us? What bit sits with us? What bit do we kind of pick up on it? So, I think I think the important thing is that um, people need to find really where their passion lies, their inner inner heart space of want. In in anything, Alex, as I've always said, we either have a want or a need or both. It's not that I need more blouses. Mm -hmm. addresses i got loads i don't yeah. know that i need them i've got them but guess what i maybe want them so that is a want and a need and that is somebody that maybe is is needing equipments to walk with because they cannot hold their body physically themselves well so that becomes a need 
in society when we create a solution uh, to a problem. So that's the two things that come in as a a problem. We've identified, we've created a solution, we've put them together. People have a want or a need or both. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's that part people need to ask, and I teach that often in my coaching programs and, yeah. and everything. People come to my fitness classes to learn Bollywood, and it's not because they're not fit. They may want to do something different. Maybe they don't need to be any more fitter, but they want to try something different. Yeah. So I think the want and a need is a big thing people need to look at in their life and also look at where can they contribute. And if they're entrepreneur, people of that mindset, is what do they what have they identified as a market need what is current what is on trend what is the calling what's the hot spot of the need out there and the want of there for people and then jump on that do the homework study well and really take it to task but not to be complacent people's mindset needs to grow all the time because right. every day we are in a lifelong learning i mean jürgen talks and i listen to his talks and i'm like i didn't know that part of the yeah. brain that firing another thought out there and wiring another thought and mm. learning that and that's part of our growth and our journey mm. yeah that, that, that that's brilliant thanks because i guess the other part of this is uh, the role of uh, perhaps let's say overwhelm because unless people have figured out the vision and the direction that they want to go they look at people like yourself for example you know very successful doing well and uh, pursuing a particular passion and vision but uh they don't in themselves know. Maybe they try and follow that and find that it's not linked to their values and what they like, and then you know it, it doesn't work, and then they find something else and so on. In the end, it can lead to overwhelm. Like there's just so much out there going on. You know, how do I find my space in that? In that time, other people are progressing and I'm being left behind. So there can be all of that as well, because the world is fast moving. There's all sorts of things going on. And it's very easy to get up, you know, to get caught up in the whirlwind, you know. So I guess maybe, I mean, how how can people stop and maybe think and try and, you know, unpick things so that they are in the zone that works for them? I think think the word you used, Alex, is very um, apt for today's society, the word overwhelm. Hmm. Because we've overwhelmed our thoughts and mindset because even on locked in and lockdown and, and how we interact with people because everybody's been shut away, there hmm. is what I call re-educating, reframing, restructuring. And hmm. I think people need to realize they've also gone into a, re- a retreat, taken one step back to yeah. then to forward. And I think what people need to do is take a moment away, switch the world and the noise away and ask themselves, what makes them happy? What makes yeah. them tick? What, yeah. Where are they in their current space? Do they need to change it? Do they need to adjust with it? And do they need to reach out? And if so, who do they look up to that really makes them feel happy listening to them, learning from them, and reach out to those people? And it might be a mother, a, a, a business figure, a mentor, a program somebody's watched. I mean, like, you know, this is why, like, when we're creating this beautiful city based on sustainability, compassion, cooperation, we're creating a space on this piece of earth that it's about looking after the land, looking after the education, looking after the science and medicine and learn from research. How do we roll it out? And what about the energy? How are we going to protect our planet? How are we going to take care of the people? We're doing something quite huge. I mean, you know about the the word TED Talks. We're talking about NGRC Talks, Next Generation Mm -hmm. Talks, which is covering these four 
you know, interdisciplinary areas. And we want to breathe oxygen to the communication that people breathe energy to themselves in the environment because the epigenetics is what helps our body DNA really to get our shit in order to really grow, develop, and become something and contribute. And mm. people are people are yearning to do something special. People are yearning to be recognized because everybody matters, Alex. And yeah. people, are not, people are not being looked upon as they matter in a, in a society of employment, in a society of workplace. Very disillusioned, disheartened people in society because nobody cares about them. Everybody's busy trying to make their own. And, yeah. and feel hurt and trampled on and like hey so for us Jürgen and I and some of the programs we're rolling out is to make sure that we take care of the messaging that everybody our neighbor our work colleague our business partner our community people are being valued cared for acknowledged because somebody somewhere also wants to leave some kind of a little legacy yes some a little legacy that that makes them feel like hey if I leave this earth I want people to remember me for this, then I've done good because we thrive to do good to support other people. And I think we need to kind of look at that. And I think everybody needs just to, any advice I would say to anybody, my suggestion would be take a moment, take, yeah. a, take a think process for themselves and find out how happy are they. Give themselves one out of 10, how happy mm -hmm. are they in their personal life? Yeah. Give them one out of 10, how happy am I in my career life? Get one to 10. How happy am I in creating a legacy? Create that little pattern and look at which numbers are low, not really doing, and 10, doing good. Uh, I, you know, I mean, at the moment, I can say to you, I'm scoring on high because there's a lot of things I'm giving back, doing, and everything that my yeah. heart wanted to. But there was a point when the numbers were hardly there. But I'm at connection, and if people shouldn't just sit there, as I, as, and I say this always, don't sit there with your fingers crossed and hope all will happen. Because as much as we can sit there and meditate and all will happen, if we don't roll the sleeves up and make it happen, it is yeah. not. It's yeah. not. Forget the fingers crossed and hope to die and hope that we live and hope this and hope that. Mm -hmm. Do it, but roll the sleeves up at the same time and take the action necessary is what do we need to do to create what we want and yeah. who do we reach out for? Because Jürgen mentioned the circle of people around us is the big contributor to where yeah. we are in our life. Yeah, um, absolutely, and and that, even for me, that that's quite a big takeaway. And also, very importantly, what you mentioned about people being in different uh, spaces at any particular time. So just like you say, you can be uh, in a particular area and you talk to people about something, but in that particular moment, it's not either the right time for them or they're not in the right frame to actually pick it. So that is actually quite a, a good... Um, Either, either a skill or something for for people uh, to identify in other people so that you can relate and understand if, for example, they don't go along with something that you're looking uh, to help them or for them to do, you understand why it's because they are not in a particular space at, at that particular time. No worries. So, you know, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, you know, you guys. I'm, I feel you know, quite uh, uh, inspired myself as well with what's happening. And I think uh, even for our listeners as well, when we come back on part two, we can expand more on the community that you're Absolutely. creating and also uh, give more information about all the various projects as well. So thank you very much for today. We'll, uh, we'll end it there. And then, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up again with you guys Wonderful. next thank week. You. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Much appreciated. Thanks, Kazala. Thank Thanks again. Bye. 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 Bye.